This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I have the privilege of speaking to all of you today. And so excited to do this and humbled too. I just want to say uh, my wife, Ray, and I just want to thank Living Faith uh, for who you've been to us. This has been a true place of safety and healing for us here. And that's because you make it safe. And uh, we can't thank you enough. This truly is a sanctuary. So I'm thankful for that. And uh, I saw JR earlier. I just want to publicly thank JR. Guys, um, he emits safety, doesn't he? You know, like you just want to be, you want to be in a shadow, right? So, and uh, so I bless you, JR, wherever you are. Thank you for all you do. So I also want to thank my wife, Ray, here, who always points me, points me up. Yes. To the Father. When I was 10, my dad took a new church on the eastern shore of Maryland. And so we moved. And I took piano lessons through elementary. When we moved, I took a break and I picked it back up actually in high school. And so we didn't have a piano in our house, but we lived in the parsonage right next door to the church, which had a piano. So I found myself borrowing the church keys from my dad and many a night heading over to the church. Uh, walking into a dark church all by myself. Yeah, that was scary sometimes. And, um, but I found myself alone in a church with a piano. And I practice my lessons, and then I tinker. And, you know, my, my music piano teacher in high school realized I had no interest in learning the classics. None. I could care less. No, but... I had an ear for music, I had a love for music, and so he taught me how to hear a song and figure it out on the piano. And so scales, chords, minor chords, inversion chords. And so I'd practice my music and then I'd start playing some chords or some kind of melody or some kind of song. And often I found myself, it was in those moments that whatever was inside of me was just ready to come out. And and that song I was birthed in alone while I was alone in the church when I was a teenager. And I've had, I've had it ever since. Have your way in my life, God. Have your way, I pray. Have your way in my life, God. Have your way today. And I've prayed it over and over again. I, you know, the same thing happened in college. I would, I just found myself needing to go and find a piano somewhere. And I'd sit in front of a piano by myself. And I would sing a song to the Lord. I'd sing a song and make, you know, make it up. Never rhymed well. <laughs> Never went well. It didn't matter. I would just sing. You know, I've had the privilege. I've had the privilege of witnessing so much. I, I've, witnessing, I've witnessed the miraculous in worship services. I've witnessed healings, supernatural healings. I've witnessed uh, the, the demonic, those controlled by the demonic freed. And it was a fight. It wasn't easy. But I witnessed at the end of that time that person walking out and tasting freedom, exuding freedom. They, they were, uh, um, her name was uh, Joanne. And Joanne called the next morning and says, this is the first morning I've ever woken up and I don't hear voices in my head. And that happened during worship. I've seen the power of the Holy Spirit collapse 
some pretty strong dudes. Right? I've seen, um, I have a friend, Greg. He, he's an evangelist. He took a missions team of youth to Ecuador. And while ministering there in the middle of worship, there were three teenage girls who knew zero English and, I've, and they witnessed them be baptized in the Holy Spirit and all three of them in perfect English, not broken English, in perfect English, began to sing and to worship holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I witnessed a, a girl who had, while we were at youth camp uh, she, she broke her ankle and she walked into the evening service and with her crutches and, and during worship, she wanted to come and she sat right there and somewhere in the middle of the song, God moved upon her life and she took those crutches and used them, started using them as a flag as she began to dance before the Lord. Healed, just like that. I witnessed a hardened teenage girl said, I'll never serve God. I'll serve God the day my brother walks. And her brother was bound to a wheelchair. And then I watched her brother begin to prophesy as he stood up and walked back and forth in front of the altar. And I watched that girl fall to her knees. I watched the postures change in the presence of God. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so thankful. I got to see these things, most of these things as a teenager. I was sold. <laughs> like, whew. Yeah. I've had my struggles, but, you know, in me, there's always been a God. <laughs> I saw him. I saw him move. I also went to Bible college. We had chapel every day. That was interesting. Every single day we had chapel services. I, every single day was a different speaker. Every single day was a different worship leader. And it was there, I'm thankful, because I learned the, the difference between a song leader and a worship leader. I witnessed song leaders very concerned and focused, you know, that the music was just right, that the set went exactly according to, you know, went exactly to plan. I watched worship leaders listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And at times, at the instruction of the Holy Spirit, put their instrument down, put their microphone down, put themselves down, face down before God. Didn't matter what the next song was, God was moving and instructing and leading them. Yeah. I witnessed uh, you know, part of this a powerful worship service at a youth convention, and, I would, and we were just, God was just moving so beautifully and supernaturally, you know, out there. And I watched that band as they came off. I was over here, and they, as they walked off the platform, I watched some of the band members. They just started, you know, complaining because they didn't play that song right or the sound wasn't up to standard or they, you know, oh, I can't believe it, you know, da 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 and, and, and I thought to myself at that moment, I, it's like, did you not just see what God just did here? Did you not just see God move in the miracles that happened in front of you and you're worried about a chord? No way. There was a while, I was like, I'll never call myself a musician because I equated that to being a musician. I wanted to be a worshiper. I wanted to be someone who worshipped the Father, who worshipped him with everything he had, and that music would never be my God. It would just be a vehicle to his throne room. Mm. 
And so the, one of the greatest truths I was able to learn, I, I learned early that worship is not music. It's not a genre of music, even though it is, but it's more. Worship is any expression, any expression of adoration, any expression of reverence, any expression in which you are elevating another. You're elevating another. I'll give you some examples. Right? What happens in Redskin Stadium is worship. Right? It's true. Expressing your adoration for your home team. And you're in such awe of how massively they lose. It's amazing. <laughs> so. It's for you, Joe. <laughs> what happens at a secular concert is worship. Cell phones lit up. Hands waving back and forth. There's an elevation of another. There's an adoration for that band and their songwriting ability and their musical ability. What happens on a date is worship. You clean up. You dress to impress. Right? You spare no expense to, to express your adoration, your love, your hope, maybe your desperation. I don't know. I don't know. But, and yes, it is actually possible to worship, worship music. It's possible. Where you elevate worship music, even above God, or you miss God, because you love the music, and it's good, but we can worship it instead of worshiping Him. The harmonies, the melodies. But I learned there's a difference. I learned the difference early, and I determined what I wanted to be early. I didn't want to worship music. I didn't want to worship anything or anyone but Him. You know what all those things have in common? Here it is. It's presence. You worship the one with whom you share presence. If you are at the Redskins Stadium or you are watching Redskins through the television screen, are you in the presence of other Redskins fans? Fun. It's great fun. Except when you lose, which is often. But but it's worship, right? It's, It's when you are... In the presence of your favorite brand singing your favorite songs is so memorable. When you're in the presence of the love of your life or someone you hope will become the love of your life, it's exciting. But when you are in the presence of God, Father God, you're in the presence of his son, the presence of his Holy Spirit, there is life. It's life. Like, whoa, this is what it means to be alive. This is the source of life. This makes everything make sense now. I am in the presence of God. And in his presence, there's this truth that just resonates. And it's this, is that all things are now possible. All things are now possible. Nothing is impossible in his presence. Anything can happen in his presence. So thankful, 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 Father, that you showed me these things. I'm thankful, Lord, that I get to worship you. I'm going to share some encouragements with you today. And I'm using the word encouragement on purpose. I love the word encouragement. I want to instill courage inside of you. I want to instill bravery inside of you when it comes to your personal worship. 
the way you worship, the way you see worship, the way you envision worship, the way you practice your worship of the Father. But a couple of things, I just want to lay some foundations. So you can go to slide four. These are just some verses that are foundational for me when it comes to worship. James 4, 8 says this. It says, move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. Or draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. Draw near to God or come near to God, he will come near to you. And so this is one of the, this is one of the things I stand on every time. Because God promised it for every time. There is no exception. The moment you take an inch to God, he has already traveled all the rest of the way to you. You step toward God, he is there, he comes to you. You reach out for God, he is there to pick up your hand to pick up your life. You come, you draw near, he will draw near to you. The second one is Matthew, and they asked Jesus, um, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you, or to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your body, with all your strength. Worship is just an expression of love. And that expression engages every part of you. Right? There's nothing about love in which something's withheld. Heart, mind, soul, body, strength, all of it, you are engaged in worship. And so I draw close to him, he draws close to me. I will love him with every part of me. Nothing withheld. And then the last one is, uh, the next slide is Psalm 22, 3. I heard my whole life uh, preachers uh, they just would shout out, God inhabits the praises of his people. Oh, you know, <laughs> God inhabits the praises of his people. I was like, where in the world is that? And I found it, Psalm 22, 3. But it's, you only see that in the King James. It's not inhabits, it's inhabitists, uh, the praises of his people. But if you look at the Passion Translation, here's what it says. Yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are God enthroned surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. Why does it say that? The NIV will say uh, he is enthroned on the praises of his people. Um, and why is it saying that? Because that word inhabitist actually means this. It means, the original word, to construct a chair. To construct a chair. And not just a chair, a throne. That your worship and your praise, that you speak and you sing and you offer. See, and this is what I do. I envision that. I close my eyes. I can see it. And as we sing, that in this place, as I sing alone before the Lord, I'm constructing a throne. And with that, construction is an invitation for God, not just to come and sit for a little while, but to come and make that his dwelling, to come and live. That you, God, are now, this is the throne that I am making for you to live and to reign over my life, to live and to reign over my home, to live and to reign over my circumstances, my situations, my problems. God, I am inviting you. I worship you for, so that you will reign over me. I construct a throne. So these are the things I see. So four encouragements regarding your personal worship. Number one is to worship honestly. Or if you want, you can say worship truthfully. 
to worship honestly. A few months after Ray and I were married, the business I worked for went belly up. And so I wasn't worried about it. I figured I'd have a new job in a couple months, within a couple months. And that couple months ended up turning into nine months. Um, and so I found myself during that time growing impatient. And I found myself, uh, you know, working part-time jobs that I hated, right? Uh, you want to see something entertaining, you know, entertaining for you, but tearful for me is putting me in a gymnasium with 50 kids for after-school program. You know? I will say it nicely, it's not heaven. How's that? It's not heaven. <laughs> um, yeah. And so but I found myself just worshiping and just pouring out my heart, whatever was there. And so one of the songs was, um, You're always on time. You're always on time. I wish you'd come early. But you're always on time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was honest. Yeah. I'm like, I know he's always, I know you're always on time, God. I mean, you're never late. I understand that. Can you just be early for once? <laughs> One time. You know, it's like, you know, we don't need to wait until the last second or the last minute. It's like, just be early. No, but he's always on time. He's never late. So I always sing that, you know. And God gave me a lot of visions and images during that time. So I just, you know, waited on him, listened to him. You know, but it's worshiping with that level of honesty. That's why I love the Psalms. This songbook that God, if you have a physical Bible, he squeezed it right in the middle of the Bible. The biggest book of the whole Bible, the songbook. Right, right there in the middle. And, and, uh, and I, I love the Psalms because, I mean, the psalmists are always brutally honest. They don't hold anything back. I love it. Thank you. It's relieving, right? I mean, Psalm 73 is the song of Asaph. And he talks about how he, was, he nearly turned his back on everything because he saw those who didn't serve God, how happy they were, how easy their life was. I mean, thank you. I relate to that sometimes. Yeah. He's like, what, is my struggle even worth it? And he says, until I came into the sanctuary of God and realized their destiny. Right. Psalm 3, uh, you can go to slide 6, just to so you have the references there. But Psalm 3, the first three uh, verses, I'll give you an example, right? Of, of this honesty. It's, it's, um, it says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? How many are saying of me, God will not deliver him? So that's honest. It's truthful. That's what's really going on in my life or in his life. But then in verse 3, he goes, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. You see, the truth that sets us free is always a two-sided truth. It's like a, it's two sides of a coin. It's the truth of you, the truth of me, coupled with the truth of him and who he is. 
The moment we came to the Lord and the moment we realized our salvation, the truth of us, God, I am a sinner, but you, God, are my forgiveness and my life. Right? Two truths. Two truths. And so, for us to live in freedom, we have to acknowledge both. And 2 Corinthians 4 is one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite uh, chapters because he just lays it down for us in this way. He says, though we experience, watch, I'll show you. Though we experience every kind of pressure, my truth, we're not crushed. God's truth. And at times, I don't know what to do, my truth. But quitting is not an option, God's truth. We are persecuted by others, my truth. But God has not forsaken us, his truth. We may be knocked down, but we're not out. We can share in the death of Jesus so that the life and the resurrection of Jesus will be revealed through us. My truth, God's truth. And then, as I continue to confess God's truth, his truth becomes my truth. Right? I begin to declare that truth and elevate that truth over my own. I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. I'm fighting, I'm struggling, but I'm not alone. He goes, so no wonder we don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles as, you know, in the light of eternity. We, we see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal glory beyond all comparison. And we focus our attention not on what we see, my truth, but on what we can't see. For what we see is temporary, but what is unseen is forever. Right? So worship Honestly. Worship honestly. Worship is not an escape from reality. Other music can serve that. People listen to music, all kinds of music, because they don't like their reality. Worship is actually being honest about our reality and then honest about our God. And we declare it. So worship honestly, second encouragement is worship offensively. And not you worship to offend someone. But you worship offensively versus defensively. Take the offense. Ephesians 6, you read that chapter, it talks about that our struggle is not with human beings. I'm going to say that again just for everyone's benefit. Your struggle is not with human beings. Uh, How about a third time? Your struggle (laughs) is not with human beings. But it is with spiritual principalities and authorities. That is your fight. That is your struggle. And so in Ephesians 6, it says that is our struggle. And so we need to put on spiritual armor, the armor of God. And every piece of that armor is Christ. So we put on Christ. We put on truth. We put on righteousness. We put on peace. He is all those things. We are completely covered. And we take up the shield of faith, it says, and to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, couple that, that sword, the Word of God, with 
Colossians 3.16, where it says this, Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Watch this. Apply the scriptures. If you will, apply the sword. As you teach and instruct one another with the psalms. Wow. Apply the sword in your singing. Right? In your psalms, in festive praises, with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. Worship on the offense. Worship is your greatest, one of your greatest weapons. It's one of your greatest weapons. It's entertaining, right? We entertain ourselves. We laugh at ourselves, I hope. I hope you laugh at yourself. Yep, you have to. How often we, in our spiritual struggles, or in our struggles, we try to overcome them in our own abilities. Right? It's funny. At hindsight, it's funny. Looking back, like, yeah, that was really dumb. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so there's also people view struggles as some sign of um, weakness or that there's something wrong with you. I, I would suggest to you, struggle is beautiful. Yeah. Why are you struggling? I assume you're struggling because you love Jesus. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a struggle. Right? You love Jesus. You want to serve Jesus. You want to know Jesus. You want to be with Jesus. So you struggle. Because there's all kinds of things against that. Yeah. And then we have some really challenging and hard instruction from Jesus. The hard sayings of Jesus. Jesus said to love your enemy. Bless those that curse you. To pray for those who come against you. I struggle with that. It's a beautiful struggle. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Jesus also said in Matthew 5, he said, if if you're at the altar offering your uh, sacrifice of praise and you comes to memory, you need to reconcile with someone, go do that first. I struggle with that. Right? He says, I struggle to find peace. I struggle to find strength. I struggle. Right? Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, present your request to God, surrender to God. Think on the things that are excellent and praiseworthy. I struggle. And I would say to you, struggle. Struggle. Keep going. Keep struggling. It's beautiful. That's right, I said it. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Your struggle's beautiful. So let me offer you. If you don't find yourself, you don't have the strength to speak it, sing it. Don't worry what it sounds like. Don't. Right? Find yourself, you don't have the strength to do it, sing it. You don't have the will, sing it. Sing in faith. You're struggling to forgive someone, begin to worship the God of forgiveness. Right? You're you're having trouble reconciling with someone, begin to praise and worship the God who reconciled you with himself. Yeah, worship. It's your weapon. When I was unemployed, one of the other images I had was um, that God gave me was uh, on a pl- I was on a playground. I wish Abel was in here; he'd appreciate this. 
on a playground. And uh, we were all playing, me, you know, myself and all, these, all the other children on God's playground. But on the playground came these bullies. Fear, regret, worry. And they shut the playground down, right? And then God led me to this image of, you know, standing up to those bullies, but with the father over my shoulder, right? And staring them down. Right? And watching those bullies not look at me, but look at my father looking at them and running off that playground. And all of a sudden, we were all free and we had a blast. Right? It's like, and, and so one of the songs came was, um, There's nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. My father is here. Let everyone cheer. Yes. Because my father is here. I would sing that. My father is here. My father is here. Worship honestly. Worship offensively. Worship intimately. We read in the Old Testament of um, God instructing the children of Israel and the people of Israel to construct a tabernacle later on a temple, right? And they both have the same, some of the same components, an outer court, the holy place, inner courts, holy place, inner courts, holy place, holy of holies. And in between the holy place and the holy of holies was a veil. And only one person could enter the holy of holies once a year. Only one person. And I want you to capture this that the holiest place has always been reserved for one-on-one. The holiest place has always been reserved for face-to-face. We can have a beautiful time in the presence of God, but the holiest place is you and your Father. Alone. And then Jesus died on that cross. Right? And he said, it is finished. And when he said it is finished, he didn't say, thank God it's over. That's not what he was saying. He was saying it is finished. That word means paid in full. It's done, redeemed, paid for, forever and ever and ever. And the moment it was paid for, God tore that veil from top to bottom. And the Holy of Holies, completely exposed. Why? It's the same as this. It's the same as you coming over to my house and I'm so excited to see you. I meet you at the door and I throw open the door so you can just come right on in. And actually it's not that. It's a little bit more extreme. It's like you coming over to my house and I see you in the distance and as you approach, I go to my door and I rip it off the hinges so that you know, come on in. Come on in so you and I can dine together, talk together, be with one another. Have fellowship with one another. That's what God did. Ripped it off the hinges, everyone. Ripped it off the hinges for you and for me so that you can come. And he even made it, uh, made it more vivid. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians uh, 3.16 says that you now are the inner sanctuary of God. Can I say it this way? You are now are the holy of holies, the temple of God. God lives and dwells in you. Oh. Yes. Worship intimately, one on one. 
Father loves to hear your voice in the crowd, but he can't wait to hear your voice by itself. And when we realize this, that God wants that intimacy with us, you know, our worship actually transforms. We move from shouts to whispers. Because we don't need to shout. Shouting's great. I'm rejoicing. I love to shout. However, you know, if you and I are spending one-on-one, I'm not going to shout in your face. I don't need to. I can whisper. And he can whisper back. And he can speak to me and I can speak to him. And I can confide in him and he can confide in me. He can speak things only meant for me. I love the words we receive in this church. There's broad messages for us as a body. But I love even more when the Holy Spirit whispers something in my heart. When I hear him whispering to me. If you want another analogy, and uh, I'm going to ask Craig and the band to come up. Is um, think about a wedding celebration, right? Great celebration, lots of fun. But what's the point of a wedding celebration if it doesn't lead to the honeymoon suite? Just saying. <laughs> I mean, you move from the crowds, and for the bride and groom, what's the point of that party if it's not leading to this moment? and beautiful place, and night of intimacy. It's the same with the temple, the courts, that we move from this, which is beautiful and good, to a place where we are one-on-one with our Father. And the last encouragement is this, is um, to worship constantly. Worship constantly. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Forever be on my lips. Some verses. And then there's Psalm 40. It says this, a new song for a new day. A new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me. Ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Many will see his miracles. They'll stand in awe of God and they'll fall in love with him. So beyond our Sundays, yes, engage here, but beyond here, build your throne, construct your chair, construct your chair, your throne for God to sit and dwell over your life, over your circumstances, over your moments, over your days, over your office, over your boss. Whatever it is, construct your throne. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him.
constantly. Just one final thought, one final encouragement. What changed for me was when God helped me to envision his face. And he helped me to see that his smile over me, he's smiling at me, that it was his pleasure to call me son. I mean, too many seasons of my life, when I envisioned his face, he was stern. You know, someone who tolerated me, tolerated my presence. I began to see Father's face, the Father's smile. I began to see that the Father looked at me and said, Stop looking back. Stop looking back. All those things that happened, I got that taken care of. You have no power to change it, but I've redeemed it. Stop looking back and just look at me. He is the lifter of my head. He is the lifter of my gaze. The lifter of my face. And when he does that, I can't help but worship. It's effortless. It's thoughtless even. I just can't help it. I can't help it. Because he loves me. So my final encouragement is don't complicate it. Don't complicate it. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Just see his face. Seek his face. See his face. Receive his love. Receive his smile. 